From the capital city, I'm Kevin Allen. The Juneau Police Department has identified a homicide victim near the Brotherhood Bridge Trail. Juneau Police Lieutenant Craig Campbell has the details. Juneau Police Department received a report of a deceased female found on the Brotherhood Bridge Trail. The female was located approximately 200 yards from the trailhead parking lot near Glacier Highway. JPD responded to the scene and confirmed the woman was deceased. The cause of death is considered suspicious and is being investigated as a homicide. The deceased female is identified as 55-year-old Faith Marie Rogers. Her body is being sent to the medical examiner's office in Anchorage for an autopsy. JPD remains on scene at the Brotherhood Bridge Trail, and, we'll, and we are still asking for people to stay away from the area until further notice. The person who was identified by JPD as a person of interest in this incident was questioned and released. No arrests have been made at this time, and the investigation is ongoing. That's Juno Police's Lieutenant Craig Gamble. Juneau Police Chief Ed Mercer addressed the new technology package the department has rolled out this week as it pertains to dispatch and crime reporting to the federal government. The system that we had for over 20 years, I think, done its part, but we outgrew it as far as it goes and uh, it wasn't being supported. So we had very big concerns. There was other um, requirements that were put in place by the federal government through the Department of Justice that mandated all police departments to switch from uniform crime reporting to NIBRS, um, National Incident Base uh, Reporting System, that's going to be able to provide more information, more detail about crimes occurring in in your community so that we're able to use that data and provide more information, especially in our annual reports or just evaluation of what's happening in, in, uh, in our community. Mercer said the upgrades went live this week. This has been an ongoing project for about two years, and again, um, we're moving forward. We just went live with it this week, so our IT staff has been working many, many hours on this. Um, And like I said, it's been over a two-year period of time. That's not only going to support the police department, but also supports the, uh, the fire department and their systems. They have a fire RMS that is compatible as the same as the police so when we dispatch the police or the fire department they're going to be able to get infilled reports as far as what they're responding to and all that information at the tips of their fingers as far as seeing it on their mobile data systems out in the field Juno police chief ed mercer a lecture on ranked choice voting as part of the annual lecture series evening at egan will take place tonight on zoom the division of elections will discuss how ranked choice voting is administered and what voters can expect ahead of the november 8th general election gail fanumii director of the state alaska division of elections and jason gren alaskans for better elections will speak at the lecture Fanumiai was on Capital Check to talk about the election. She said, she said the process is going smooth. Things are going smoothly. We uh, finished the primary election, got that certified, and immediately started working on our plans and whatnot for the upcoming November 8th general election. Ballots have um, been printed, and we actually start mailing absentee ballots out to uniformed and overseas citizens this Friday. So it is happening quickly. Fanumiai spoke to the efforts to educate voters and said an official voter information pamphlet will be sent out soon. The division is going to continue its education plan and try to get some more um, videos on television and continue to send flyers directly to 
people's homes and hopefully they will take the information to study it. There will also be information in the general election official election pamphlet that will be mailed out about three weeks before the election. And then our website has a bunch of information on it as well. And then Friday, I'll be at the evening at Egan along with Jason Gren from, um, with Alaskans for Better Elections making a presentation about ranked choice voting. The deadline to register to vote is October 9th. The deadline to request an absentee ballot is October 29th. A COVID vaccine and booster clinic will be held at Floyd Dryden Middle School on October 1st. Mayor Beth Weldon explained the updated booster on the morning show. It will be held October 1st from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. at Floyd Dryden Middle School, which is on Mendenhall Loop Road, if people don't know that. And this is the updated booster vaccine that just recently got authorized by the CDC, and it contains vaccine for both the original strain of the virus and the Omicron BA4-5 variant. Weldon explained how you can register for the clinic. You can register for an appointment at the clinic at geno.org slash vaccine. And if you need help, it can't do your internet for some reason. You can call the Alaska COVID-19 hotline, not the Geno one, the Alaska one, at 907-646-3322. Juno Mayor Beth Weldon. Alaska Governor Mike Dunleavy says a weekend storm on the state's vast western coast has caused significant damage to roads and homes in some communities. There were no deaths or injuries reported after the storm, which was the remnant of Typhoon Murbach. It moved north through the Bering Strait, bringing tidal surges and high winds. Among the community's hardest hit was Nome, the finish line for the Iditarod sled dog race. The most significant damage included ripped up streets and roadways. The state is also attempting to get supplies like plywood, insulation, and tin to repair roofs before the winter sets in. Hundreds gathered and traveled to Prince of Wales Island last weekend to witness the raising of the first Clinket totem that now stands in the community of Craig. The totem pole recognizes and holds up uncles of the Dog Salmon clan. Ed Thomas commissioned Clinket master carver John Rowan to help bring to life the story behind the pole. Rowan spoke about uncles and symbolism on the pole. At the top is a, a figure who represents the uncles, and they would have held the clan hats. They would have held the speaker staffs. And then at the bottom is a bentwood box which would have held all this stuff. And I could have just did a plain one, but because I'm married to these folks, I made sure it was <laughs> And I like to tease my relatives and my in-laws. And so when we when I designed up the raven, I, I said, it's Raven in all his glory. Thomas greeted the crowd in Clinket. He spoke of his maternal uncles. Thank you for coming, honorable people and noble people of this land. You heard uh, John talk about the, uh, the uncles. And so in our culture, when I'm here to talk to you about this poll, I'm not talking as though I'm here by myself. I call on the spirit of my maternal uncles, uh, Frank Johnson, Charlie Johnson, George Johnson. Uh, those uh, are my uncles that I thank for keeping 
our people together, our, our family together, and our clan uh, alive. Dozens helped carry the totem to the Craig Memorial Cemetery and raised it without the assistance of modern machines. The ceremony culminated with a carver's dance and thanking the Eagle and Raven clans for their presence. The U.S. Department of Justice announced that it will provide more than $246 million in grants to Native American and Alaska Native communities for improvements in law enforcement and justice. The announcement was made in Anchorage this week at the start of the federal government's annual tribal consultation conference on violence against women. Allison Randall, acting director for Justice's Office on Violence Against Women, made the announcement at the 17th annual consult consultation gathering. Huge thanks to, uh, to my colleagues at DOJ. Um, OVW is going to be awarding um, about $40 million. Um, OJP's Office of Victims of Crime, uh, more than $116 million through the Tribal Victim Set-Aside. Um, which has some extraordinary new provisions that Chris Rose is going to be telling us about. Uh, nearly $3 million for Project Beacon. Uh, the Office of Sex Offender Sentencing Management, Apprehending, Registering, and Tracking, um, more than $6 million. And through CTAS, there is many millions of dollars that are not immediately on my page. More than $82 million was awarded under CTAS. Um, you know, we know that we continue to try to use CTAS to make funding easier um, and, and more accessible by streamlining that. Randall further added. That's um, over $54 million for OJP and over $27 million from our colleagues at the COPS office, community-oriented policing and services. Uh, they also have, um, you know, dedicated funds for, uh, for tribes to expand that implementation of community policing. So we want to thank you. We hope that this uh, $246 million is, is useful. There's never enough funding, but we want to do absolutely everything we can to get funding to the tribes. According to the Alaska Beacon, tribal officials expressed gratitude for the infusion of money, but many had a request. Make sure that it does not get intercepted at the state level. License plates from the Alaska Artistic License Plate Program may see a surcharge sometime next year. The program is handled by the Alaska Council on the Arts. Council Chair Ben Brown spoke at a Ch Juno Chamber luncheon about the program and what's coming. The Alaska State Council on the Arts had recently launched the Artistic License Plate Program to celebrate Alaskan identity and pride. The new plate was designed by an emerging artist selected through an inaugural statewide competition. He said that after the passage and signing of Senate Bill 71 this year, they are now allowed to add a fee for Alaskan artistic license plates. The next year before we'd actually implemented the program, we thought about, do we want to charge $50 for these? Because what's the return going to be? If we have a high premium for a specialty plate, people may not want to spend the money to buy them. So Jesse Keel, Senator Jesse Keel, uh, worked to change our place in the DMV statute so that now if you go to DMV, next time you register, right now there's no charge. You can get the, the yellow one with the blue letters, or you can get the one with the little bear, or you can get the one with the aurora on the moon over the mountains, which is far, far more appealing, for no charge. So what we decided to do is uh, experiment with how we might impose a modest surcharge on those plates to generate some money, but not put a charge on high enough that it was going to disincentivize people from purchasing them. So that's one element of what Senate Bill 71 did. Brown said that last year 40,000 artistic license plates were issued. I'm thinking $3 a plate, um, and I guess I could do a show of hands, but price, price elasticity of demand, you know, 
a dollar a plate, I don't think anyone would bat an eye out. But $10 a plate, we'd probably get some pretty significant drop-off. And Representative Christ Tompkins was very concerned about diminishing the number of plates on the road. So I told him, I think we'll start to try to start with three, and if that produces... So because 40,000 of these plates got issued last year. So that's $120,000. We get $701,000 from the legislature. That's a significant amount of designated general fund money and not undesignated general fund money that we could do, to, that we as an agency could use to re- reduce our dependence on basically oil revenue, which is what UGF is. Last year, a blind jury narrowed the plate design selections to five finalists after receiving 142 submissions from artists across the state. The final design and selected at that time was Anita Lalian's original design illustrating the northern lights on the Alaskan landscape. The City of Huna won the Community of the Year Award at the 2022 Southeast Conference Annual Meeting in Ketchikan. Robert Benables is the Executive Director of Southeast Conference. He spoke about the process of nominating communities. Every year we uh, send out calls for nominations for Community of the Year and uh, let our members you know, nominate who they think is going to be uh, most deserving. I mean, every community celebrates a win here and there, but... Um, the community that, that came out is really uh, showcasing some of the best attributes that we look for uh, was, was, was HUNA. And it was just um, delightful to celebrate their accomplishments of the past year. And explained what made HUNA stand out. There was a lot of projects that you know, were mentioned. You know, the, you know, they've got, um, you know, they responded back from you know, some of the, the storm damages that uh, they had, um, you know, that ha- they had faced. They finished a wastewater treatment plant, uh, you know, some cargo handling facilities, uh, and obviously the infrastructure that uh, is happening out at Ivy Strait Point, very meaningful to the community. So, you know, the, the projects are, are, are well and good. But the really the key thing that's the most critical that uh, I think that we like to to recognize is the partnerships that the community has, because that's what really makes a sustainable success. And you know, the city of Huna, the uh, the Huna Indian Association, the tribe there, uh, the Huna Totem Corporation, all of them working together really was um, was the thing that we wanted to acknowledge and really applaud. Never miss a story or a newscast at KINYradio.com. Now you're up to date for News of the North. This is Kevin Allen.